Hi, and welcome back to our podcast, School Buzz. Today I have with me Diane Grooms, who's one of our school board members, and we're gonna to talk today about what it's like to be a school board member. So Diane, can you give me a short bio about yourself? Sure. Um, I was raised as the daughter of a Marine, so I moved all over the place when I was a child, and I really don't have a hometown. So when I moved to Lancaster, we kind of established roots here. My husband's family had lived here for several generations. And so I really felt the need to, um, you know, give back to my community as much as I could. So I ended up working first for, uh, as a journalist, I was a newspaper reporter and editor. Um, then I wrote for magazines. Then I switched over into nonprofit service and I started working for Antelope Valley Hospital and later United Way and several other nonprofits after that. Great. And that was a question in my mind because I thought when I retire, I want to travel all over the place. But as a kid, you traveled all over the place. So you're like, ah, I want a more of a hometown feeling. I huh? did. I really, really did. And I, and I don't have very many relatives. Uh, most of them were located in Rhode Island. And I haven't been there since I was four. <laughs> so you know, I did want a sense of community. And, and, and the desert uh, grows on you. It Just does. To, I, I tried Monterey for 10 years, believe it or not. And it was too cold. So, too cold and too foggy, huh? Yes. Yeah. And, and I come here, I just love the sun. Um, I love the people, this, the nicest people that um, I have really engaged with anywhere that I have lived. And it's, um, it's a special place for me. And, and I would agree, because I grew up in Oxnard, which was very foggy. And then as a teenager, lived in Camarillo. But this is a very friendly community. And you yes. can really fit in very easily here without having to like know somebody, you know, it's, it's a very easy community to get involved in. It is, and that's, um, I think it gives you that opportunity, and that opportunity changes as the stages of your life changes, and that's what I recognized. <laughs> very good. Well, how do you become a board member on a school board? Well, I think the first thing that happens is you start being interested in what is happening. I was on a school board for my church. We had a, a small church school, and uh, I was just fascinated with how um, the curriculums changed, how the testing changed, how much um, parent involvement really helped the kids. And so I decided I was going to um, look at the bigger picture and the next biggest school that I saw was Lancaster Elementary School District. And so I um, was intrigued and I saw that there was a vacancy on the board and ran for election back in 2005. Oh wow, so that's been a long time on the school board. Yes, it has. Wow. Yes, it flew by. It absolutely flew by. Well, and it's nice when we have a stable, happy board um, yes. Because we saw some of the things that happened in the high school district, a little, lots of confrontation, lots of um, hard things to get past because people were kind of on their soapbox. And we don't yeah. have that in Lancaster. I mean, you've no. got all four of you, and when Sandy was here, all five of you got along very well and made good decisions for our district without kind of grandstanding, which was one of the things I really like about the school board. Well, every time you change a member of the board or the superintendent, it changes the team. So you have to readapt, you have to reestablish um, kind of a contract of behavior and trust in each other. And so every board um, election, we have to redo that. And the biggest thing that I was taught by a former 
member of the staff here was that the board only has one vote. We have to come to a, an agreement on what that one vote will be, but we are the ones who say yes or no mm -hmm. to a lot of things, but we have to say it together. I'm only um, one-fifth of that vote. Right, yeah, and then, so it's gotta be something that, kind of a consensus of yes. what the board wants. You had talked about elections, and I know this question came up in our recent school board meeting. Um, some of the people were asking, well, why does it, why are you elected by district? Can you just give us a little background on that? Sure. Uh, back, oh gosh, almost 10 years ago now, um, there was a lawsuit in Madera, California, in which um, the California Voters Rights Act was questioned in that community, saying that certain members of the community never had the ability to get elected. And they lost that lawsuit. It was a $2 million case and the school district had to pay that. Now, to me, that's criminal because that's money to be spent on kids' education. But from that time, then there became a series of lawsuits against certain school districts, not all, that had, and cities as well, that had to uh, divide the city demographically so that there was a fair advantage um, for everyone to be able to be elected. So our school district goes from Avenue A to roughly Avenue M and roughly 20th West to 20th East. And in that square area, we are divided into five separate districts. And that's to give everyone a chance to serve. Now, did I like having to go to districts? No, but when you're faced with a lawsuit and the penalty of um, money like that, um, we decided in, it was in our best interest just to accept that change. And I was explaining to my niece that sometimes in a community, people that are well off have the money to do a campaign and have the money to um, pay for the filing, all those kind of things, um, where people in a poor section of the, of the town may not have that same opportunity. And this was a way to make sure that the wealthy group didn't get to set the tone for everybody in the yes. city, that more people got a chance to vote. So I was explaining that to her, that it's just... It's more equitable. It was hard when we had to go do it. It was very hard, <laughs> yes. But it is more a more equitable system. But what I found, too, is that um, the, the population is similar in each of the five districts, but it does give you a smaller base, so it's more affordable mm -hmm. to run. Now, for me, I feel that I get the most votes by shaking someone's hand or talking with them, um, and I've never felt that a lot of money was going to change the results of the election. I have to be out in public and, and meet folks and let them have a chance to talk with me and share their concerns. Exactly. Um, so as a board member, what are your responsibilities? There are two. It comes down to two. The first one is selecting the superintendent, the leader of the school district, and that is the single most important responsibility that we have. Uh, that leader then drives the whole rest of the staff. And uh, the, the board essentially is hands off the rest of the staff. And the second responsibility is regarding um, the finances. We get a, a look at every single transaction that occurs. Um, I know you personally have been questioned about what is this for? What is that for? Because, um, you know, software technology companies have the very strange names that don't necessarily tell you what they're doing. Exactly. So it's our job to look at the the day-to-day -day financials, the month-to-month, -month, the year-to-year. We have to look ahead and we have to look back. Mm -hmm. 
And that is the second most important thing that we do. And I'm, I'm very proud of the success that we've had um, with the finances with our district. There's really been only one time in all the time that I've served that we had to do layoffs of staff. And that was an, that was kind of a, a nationwide time. Yeah. And um, but we were able to rehire every single one of those staff very quickly. So that's, that's always painful when you have to lay oh, off yeah. staff because you don't have money. But that was a I remember those lean years and we yes. were old as a principal I had to we had to purchase our own like toilet paper and cleaning supplies and there were times you're like, okay, am I going to make it, you know, towards the end of the year? Because things were so tight then. I thank goodness we're not in that same financial situation. People were losing their homes. Yes. And, you know, this was a financial crisis that was brought on by, um, well, to name one, the savings and loan associations and the, and the way that they were making loans. And that was a very severe recession that affected people in many, many ways. But, uh, we didn't see a downturn in the number of children attending, so we still had a job to do. Exactly, exactly. We still have to teach them. And, and then we didn't have reserves that now we're required to have because we learned from the hard times that yeah. you have to have some money on hand just in case. Um, well, and the money that the state requires that you have on hand just in case wouldn't cover a single payroll. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> our board has said we want to uh, have more, have double that amount of money, and we would prefer a 9% reserve. But um, it's tough to get there. It is tough to get there because we also want to use the money for our kids this year. But having that reserve is very important. And like you said, salaries and benefits are 80% of 80%. what we pay out. So um, it's important to have that money on hand because yeah. people are not going to come to work for free. Well, you can't teach a child with a book. No. You have to <laughs> teach a child with another person and a book, um, at least. Well, as a board member, you have to make a lot of decisions. Um, every board meeting, you, there's things that you have to vote on. What was one of the hardest decisions that you had to make? The hardest decision was closing the schools on um, March fifteenth, two thousand twenty. Oh yes, that was. I was I was board president, um, and I got the call from our superintendent, and she had been in a meeting at noon, and she said we have to make this announcement by one p.m. that all schools are closed come Monday. And I, I will not forget, I know exactly where I was sitting. I know exactly what I had to do. And I bolted from the room and headed over here to the school district. And we had to send out that notice immediately. And we were all in shock. Everyone was in shock. Yes. Um, and fear is not a good place to be. You still have to work. You still have to um, set that aside in another box and deal with how are we going to continue to educate our kids. And that was the single toughest day I ever experienced. That, that was a very tough time. And I remember thinking, well, you know, we'll close for a couple of weeks and then we'll reopen. <laughs> <laughs> we all thought that. <laughs> and we, you know, every couple of weeks, like, wait a minute, are we going to go to the end of the school year and still be closed? And then to not open the next school year. That was traumatic for everybody involved. Um, even still, because we still get, um, you know, we have people that have to go out for COVID and, we still have a lot of um, staff that go out and kids that go out. And we were thinking this felt very normal starting this year. But now I'm seeing the COVID and I'm like, oh, come on, go, just go away. Please go away so we can just be normal and have our kids in school and not have to have them stay home or be masked or anything like that. Well, if you remember, every winter is flu season mm -hmm. and our, our little guys, they catch it. They bounce back. Right. Again, but the seniors, not not necessarily. Right. And 
I equate this to a similar virus. Um, I was um, part of the polio epidemic. The little boy next door to me had polio. Mm -hmm. I didn't. Um, and the difference in how it affected his life versus mine. So I've seen these different viruses come along. This one, I've never seen a worldwide impact like this. And um, it's precious. I saw a mask that was woven in Guatemala the other day oh. because I'm familiar with a project down there of uh, local weavers. And every country had to do what we did. Yes. Every country. So it, it's sobering. Yeah, it, it made us all kind of think about what our priorities are. Oh, yeah. Also cleaned my house. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah rid of stuff, decluttered yeah. <laughs> closets. Uh, I think I've told you, like, every man in my family this year is, like, getting married because, you know, COVID has shut us down for so long so we've had a lot of weddings this year. My son eloped because he couldn't have a wedding in 2020. So, yeah. you know, it affected us all. Um, those folks who lost family members, those yeah. are, are the, the very difficult ones. Very difficult ones. And we ones. lost a lot of people. So. Yeah, we did. We did. That's too bad. Uh, what's one of the challenges of being a board member? I, I'd have to say that um, there are four others besides me. Mm -hmm. And when we start talking about something, we go in five different ways. And so bringing us together into a, um, a vote that's the best for the most folks takes time. Mm -hmm. And uh, adapting to that, and sometimes, you know, we'll get really passionate and we want this to happen and all the other four don't want it to happen and I get frustrated. Um, but that's when I realize I need more information. Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not afraid to make a decision, but if I'm having trouble making a decision, they, I've learned that means I need more information to make an informed decision. And then we have to come to an agreement between us. The past year, we've had four board members, and now I know why we have five, because it's a lot <laughs> easier to complete a vote. You have yes. three and two. Um, but it's extremely important that we find a solution where we can agree on most of it. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's what we have to learn as board members. Well, and I think as, as when we're presenting to the board is making sure that you have the information and the data and every, all points of view that you need to make a good decision. Because if you don't have that, then you sometimes are flying in the dark. And so we've got to make sure that we give you all that backstory and all the data to go with it so you are making informed choices. But for the last two years, there's been a gap. Yes, yeah, we haven't had students. Every, every board meeting, we would have students come and make a little presentation oh, yeah. or lead us in the pledge. And when you see the children first, you realize this is why this decision is important. So that's an, a very visual and a very right in our face reminder. And it's, it's extremely important to have the kids. Yeah, we want to have the kids back. Mm -hmm. We used to have some wonderful speakers and um, that student who wrote, you know, the most inspirational teacher um, essay. The I mean, art, the music. Yes. Oh, it's all so wonderful. Yeah, that's why I get up every day. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the most rewarding aspect of being a board member? Um, watching the kids um, thrive. Uh, they come in so timid as preschoolers and then they each grade level they get a little stronger a little and then all there's something 
happens right about fourth, fifth grade, and you start seeing individuals who are really emerging in finding what is exciting for them. I knew when I was in eighth grade what I wanted to do for a living, and I wanted to write. And I have pursued that. And you think about it, I still had many more years of schooling, <laughs> but I focused on it by the time I was in middle school. And I think we have to give kids that opportunity to see lots of choices are available for them. And that's the, um, the most amazing part is, is watching them thrive. We've had kids from Discovery and Fulton and Allsbury who've been on television now and, and doing their own broadcasts and science. And I know the local aerospace companies are thrilled with the work that we're doing and giving them a base of technology that they'll need. Exactly. And like you said, some kids might be interested in art. Some kids might be interested in writing. To give kids a, uh, options and let them kind of pick and choose what they like and then build what their skills are is so important in education. And I'm glad we've gotten back to offering children more because when yes. we were in the lean years, we couldn't do any art. We couldn't do any music. So glad those programs are coming back. Computer science is you know, my favorite. <laughs> but just those opportunities for kids to explore and decide who they want to be when they grow up. Let me tell you a story. It was at Mariposa School. We had an um, open house, and this, they had just become a coding school, coding magnet school. And I never saw so many parents. They wanted to know what this meant. Mm -hmm. And this, at the table, there was a little third grader who was coding a, a game, um, had making her little... Um, person go through the maze and she made a mistake on something and her little brother who was a kindergartner came up and he says no no you can do it this way and that'll do that and mom's in the background with her eyes wide open <laughs> and seeing that they're speaking a different language yes and it was it was you know it gave me the chills it was an amazing moment yeah and just so much different things that kids have to learn now because the mm -hmm. world has changed so much so from when you and I were in school and we can't teach the same way we have to make sure that we have a lot of options for children so I have friends who um, are working at jobs that didn't exist when we graduated from high school exactly. and that's going to be even more important as we go forward mm -hmm. having that innovation and creativity mm -hmm. well thank you so much for coming on today i i've been wanting we've been talking about this podcast for a while like okay i'm gonna book her and send her the questions and get her in here because i think you hear a lot about school boards right now in the press and you know some people are not happy with how what things are going on but to understand that they're always welcome to come to a board meeting and you know tell us their views and we listen to them and if it's something that we think oh my goodness that something that we didn't know about of course we want to know or yeah. if you've got an opinion that may not be the mainstream, you have a different, the school boards are willing to listen to you and work with you. But at the same time, the public has brought forward some things that I needed to research more. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad to do that. That's, um, that's part of my responsibility. And they have brought different viewpoints to us and we have to consider them. And We do. But we don't always agree, right. but we have to consider them. Well, and there's been speakers that have come up during the school board meeting and said something like, oh, I don't know about that. Let me Google that. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. <laughs> and so that's, you know, it's it's knowing how other people think sometimes is a good way to really make clear decisions, you know. And this um, past two years with COVID, none of us had all the data we needed to make um, decisions. So we had to... Um, you know, really do a lot of research and really pay attention to what was happening within the classroom 
because if it spreads in the classroom, it's spreading in the community. Mm -hmm. So that was our responsibility. Yeah, keep our kids safe. Yeah. All right, thank you very much for coming on. I appreciate you. Okay, thank you so much, Rebecca. It's been a joy.